Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to episode 220 of Geekscape. This is your favorite weekly movies, video games, and comic book podcast where myself, Jonathan London, over on the left side of the screen, uh, talks to a guest about what happened in the latest news and reviews. This is Ian Kerner. He's familiar to you guys. He was the first guest on Geekscape, and he's been around every couple months since then. And I feel at, like after Comic-Con, which was our last episode, we needed Ian on here to uh, just kind of like reset Geekscape. Give like a summation of Comic Con, a sort of um, yeah, what would you say? A, uh, like a um, what's the presidential address every year? State of the Union. State of the Union. Um, joining us over here is Matt Kelly okay. from PA. Uh, what is that? Hey, well, where's Walton? What did you do with Walton? What, do you want a cockatoo? Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay, so Walton's got the thumb shark. Uh, Gilmore's got the little nubbins. And you've got the, what is it? Cocktopus. Cocktopus. That's a fucking steady decline. You're Walton's roommate. Where is he? Uh, he is partied out from a post-Comic-Con barbecue last night. Okay. All right. You didn't kill him? No. We were thinking. Uh, okay. Wasn't that during the day? The barbecue was during the day. At what point? All I know is I was talking to you guys both at around like 10.30 last night and the party was over. What kind of party ends at by 10.30? Well, and that's my point. The party's over 10.30 and he's still partied out. Like, what were you, were you guys shooting fucking heroin at the party? What was happening you at this were. party? I know. I, I went to donate blood and they breached a vein. And I had to explain to my... Stu- I had to roll my sleeves down. Aren't they supposed to go through the vein? Look at that. No, no. It breached the vein. It started sucking on my... Um, instead of sucking blood, it started sucking on my tissue. Oh. And so I ended up with all these nice little things. That look yeah, like you are like a heroin addict. Isn't that it's awful? True. Yeah. But I will continue to donate blood. It's a good thing to do. All right. Um, so can I just say about Comic Con? Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I I I was really upset that I, I didn't make it onto you know the podcast at Comic Con. I came by every single day mm-hmm. to your booth, and you just weren't going at any times I came by. And and then you mentioned Sunday morning, like I was on the verge of leaving. Mind you, I had to leave because I had to go see Captain America. Right. You know. I mean, I, I had I to. Know. I know. I had to. You know, and you're like, oh yeah, you know, three hours from now we're gonna we're gonna yeah. do Geekscape. Yeah, a, a couple of people commented on the forums. Uh, I think I, I don't think we can do a Sunday Geekscape taping anymore at Comic Con. We're just so fucking tired by then. Yeah, the energy was low, and then remember with the Gaians, with all the random shit that we used to have in old Comic Con episodes. I could I could literally see what was happening in front of the booth and just be like. Gilmore, grab that person. And then all of a sudden some weirdo like Captain Mexico or somebody is on there. Remember how lame that guy was? Or like, what the hell's going on over there? But the way I did the episode this time was my back was to the the crowd passing by the booth. And we were shooting from inside the booth out so that the audience could see everything. But Well, you just see people walking yeah, by. Yeah, you just see people what walking by. But No, no, I want to see the people walking by, it turns out. Because I want to be able to grab the freaks right. among them and put yeah, them that on. That makes more sense. It, it was bad. And then doing it on Sunday. we got to do it on Saturday next year in San Diego. And Sunday used to be everyone's tired, but it's usually yeah. quieter. It's like kids' day. Mm-hmm. This Comic-Con was insane. insane. Yeah. Sunday was the worst I have ever seen the floor. Much worse than Saturday. Much worse than any Saturday. It used to always be Saturday was the bad day. Worse than any Saturday I'd ever seen in all the years. Mm-hmm. This was my 15th Comic-Con. 15th? Yeah. Well, we're going to get the booth next year. I already signed up for it. Good, good. So, we're thinking about doing another party. I'm sad that you missed the party. I'm sad, too. As a matter of fact... I'm really sad and, about and, it. And my friend Adrian and I were just discussing it last night. He said that he missed it. Yeah. We're all sad. 
I mean, uh, he has no excuse. You, you're... Well, my excuse is tied yeah. to his excuse. I know. You, where, where'd you guys end up? Well, uh, a, a friend of ours had had a party that we had to go to, and we got stuck there. It became a kind of a business thing. I, I got a lot of business. This is a business thing. Get this, get this guy off a of Geekscape. Dinner, get this guy off a of Geekscape. Yeah, we ended up... Listen, the party was Thursday night, and then we'll get into the movie reviews, but Mort and I... We're tired, right? Every day we're at that stupid booth. We're pounding the pavement for Geekscape. Tiring. And Friday night, Alexander Philippe, who was two guests ago, he, the guy who did uh, People vs. George Lucas, he and his, and his producer and DP, uh, Robert Moratori, were like, hey, let's just get dinner. And I was like, okay, Matt, like, let's just get a low-key dinner. Walton said he was going to stay in. I was like, let's just go. Let's change. Let's go out to dinner. We, we wanted to stay off the main strip there in the gas lamp. So we went just a bit north to like one or two streets north. And there's not a whole lot of restaurants until you start getting closer to, the, you know. So I'm walking. There's no restaurants. I grab the first restaurant I see. Really? That's not a dive. Some place where we can sit down. You you talk trash I, on about three restaurants Yeah, because we yeah, because, because It doesn't sound like him. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> like, but, oh, but, I don't want to go there. But, you, but, you, but, but A, they were crowded. Or in B, they looked like they were just like, like restaurants were crowded at Comic Con. They were even m- m- remotely decent. So, so here's the thing. Yeah. I find this place not too crowded. We can get a table right away. I'm sure it was really. It's cool. got a live. It's got a live band playing. It seems like all right. We're just gonna go for dinner. We're, you know, we'll be out of there in an hour. We'll go, go to sleep. Right. We're not partiers. The four of us sit down. We have a pretty normal waitress who says, "Hi, this will be your waitress." And What's equivalent of a batshit banshee from hell takes over our table. And she's fucking nuts. She's tattooed all over. She's loosey-goosey. She's on something, right? And And she she, wasn't sharing. Oh, dude, Ian. She's, like, draping herself on it. She's like, all right, guys. This is what I suggest. Not not flirty, but to the point. But also physically fucking annoying. And Robert and I are, I mean, we're all tired. Alexander's like. Hey, it's a party. We're in San Diego. What do you want? I'll play her game. I don't want to play her game. I'm sick of this girl after five minutes. Okay? She then goes on to forget every order and blame it on somebody clocking her out. Oh, somebody clocked out my order. I got to get your order again. Which is really a fucking simple order. It was like three hamburgers and a salad. No, she screwed right? the drinks. That was two waters then, and iced tea. Yeah, t- two waters, <laughs> an iced tea, and Alexander's just hitting the liquor. Like he's, like he's like, this chick is crazy. I'm ready to party. He's running back, and the three of us are sitting there going, no, no, no. So this girl... Over the next hour, starts fucking up our orders, not bringing us anything. Then I go to the bar to get sweetener. Like I'm, I'm having to help. I'm having to help myself. The girls from the legendary booth they call up, and they're like, "Where are you guys going? Where are you guys?" I said, "This is where we're at," but I'm warning you, it's fucking crazy. This girl is nuts. She's just running around the table like a Tasmanian devil, um, flirting with Alexander. He's loving it. She's rubbing the fucking hands through her through his hair and stuff like that. She's being a Oh, she rubbed her fucking cooch on his arm. It was brutal. And then she comes over and drapes herself on Robert and I, and the two of us look like we're about to hit her. Right? So the legendary, I tell the legendary girls, you do not want to come here. It's crazy. And they go, that's exactly what we want. So they show up, and that adds like another hour to our dinner because they I have to order the shit like that. Are, but. They worked for the legendary booth in, in our aisle, right? So they show up. That adds another fucking hour to this horror show. People from the another band starts playing. The guys from the navy are taking one table. The guys from the uh, navy, like the coast navy, the coast guard, are at another table. And so this guy's like, play a song for the best coast guard in the fucking world, the navy. 
in, in the, the Coast Guard doesn't like that a whole lot. So these monsters are over here going, fuck you, man. We're in the middle of a fucking fight that's about to break out. The fucking band is playing. They only know 311 songs, which is fucking annoying. We've got this banshee coming around, fucking up orders. They're fucking up the legendary girl's orders. Everything's crazy. She's like, let me get you some more water. She brings this water up against, and she, she fuck the tray. She doesn't use a serving tray. She has the waters pressed up against her sweaty ass tits, right? And she puts them down. Whatever PCP she's on, it's sweated into these fucking waters. I'm like, here you go, guys. Here's some t- titty water. And I'm passing out the fucking titty water. She brings back the fucking check. The check is wrong all over, right? So we get it half corrected. Then it's wrong all over again. She bring, like, The check is taking 30 minutes to go. We then find out that she got fired halfway through our, her shift, right? I don't even know if she's employed or not. She went from being crazy and flirty to just, now she's just crying. I'm just a small town girl from Texas. Ah, you guys have been great. I'm going to miss you guys. She totally got fucking canned halfway through our meal. The manager comes over to apologize and starts giving us apology shots. You know if you took our order, we didn't drink alcohol. So then we give the fucking shots to the legendary girls. They then try and charge the legendary girls for our apology shots. The other fucking batshit girl comes back and says, I guess I'm not fired. Let me get you apology shots. Brings us fucking apology shots. The place is a fucking mess. Then I've got these fucking giant guys about to fight each other over who's the best fucking navy in the fucking world. We got the fuck out of there after three hours. I was ready to kill myself. I gotta say, a good interesting story. I don't know why we're talking about it on Geekscape, but good story. (sighs) Fucking San Diego. Comic-Con. It's batshit crazy on the floor. It's batshit crazy in town. It was awful. It was awful. But that was Hennessy's Friday night. All right. Just remember when I don't have enough time to talk about comic books. Yeah, just remember that. Jonathan's story. Ian, Captain America, quickly, what did you think? We reviewed it last episode. What did you think? Why did you love this movie? Oh my God, I love that movie. What about it did you love? What didn't I love about that movie? I mean, seriously. Like, the movie, first of all, you know, they take the subject matter seriously. Mm hmm. You know, um, even down to the costume and, you know, making it like, okay, it's a silly, you know, exploitative thing, you know, for, for the serials, you know, that of course, and he's already in it, you know, I mean, so it made it believable and realistic. Right. You know, I mean, that was great. I mean, wow. Haley Atwell is going to be a big star. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just fantastic. I mean, when, when you get to the point in the movie when, you know, he's going to sacrifice himself and they're talking to each other, I get tears in my eyes. As yeah, did your wife. I mean, I mean the, yeah, my, my wife was, was crying during the end of Captain America. I think Captain America was a good movie, uh, but knowing the Captain America story over and over again so much, it, it was, to me, just a good movie. I was really into it, but I wanted Why, to... Why, because there was no suspense for you? Not a whole lot of suspense, yeah. And I think, I think if you guys go and see the movie not being too familiar with Captain America, you really are going to enjoy the movie because the movie's really good. Um, but for me... Um, see, just because I just knew, I knew what, what, was, more, what yeah. was coming didn't bother me at all. For, I, I, for, I think for, I was satisfied by the movie. Oh, I, I, for but for me, seeing it, that yeah. on the big screen and seeing it done, translated well, yeah. I mean, you know, there, there aren't many of these properties that I'm not going to pretty much know where it's going. Right. Uh, Thor for me well, did Thor was a, like a, not yeah, different but, it did a couple you know. surprising things okay. that were new Iron Man did a couple surprising things that were I new I mean did you like the little you know little easter eggs in there like oh the yeah the, the human torch and, was yeah, awesome was like great. I love the fact that they had the original human torch in there I love all the the, the, the tie-ins with Thor were awesome yeah. the fabric of the movie was great the movie itself was really good but I wanted an extra little kick I thought the treatment of, of, of what they did with Bucky that surprised me it was too early well that's why it dramatically but that's why it surprised early. me you know what I mean? And I understand right. you got to get Cap to be sad, but Bucky and Cap fighting well, the fucking Red School at the end of the movie and him being part of that sacrifice, 
would have been fucking huge. I mean, that, that was the thing. You expected it to be later. You expected yeah. it to... Because, I mean, it, it really is Bucky's sacrifice. Yeah. And, and arguably, that's why they did it. Because right. if you think about it, you know, for people that... For those of you that don't know the, the story, in the comic books, you know, it's actually... Bucky Cap like falls yeah. off this ship, you know, that, that's going to blow up. Bucky's the one that, that disarms Stays on it. it. Yeah. And it blows up. So so Cap Cap's last sight falling into, into the ice mm-hmm. is seemingly Bucky dying. Right. You know? So it's a bigger sacrifice for Bucky. And Cap's not real. I mean, Cap's a hero, sure, but he's not really the big hero there. Here's my problem with that scene. They're trying to uh, get, what's his name, Armin Solo, Scola or whatever, right. on, that, on that train. And there's three of them. There's Bucky, there's Cap, and then there's an unnamed, the, the black dude from the Howling Commandos, right? Right. And, and they it's, get, uh, it's Gabe. And they get on this train. Right, and they're fighting the Bucky and Cap are fighting their way through these train things, and part of the part of the side of the train gets blown out, and it leads to Bucky sacrificing. Armin Scola is in the front of the train. Gabe just crashes through the window, and is like hands in the air. I was like, Cap and Bucky didn't even have to be on that train. These idiots are sitting there fighting their way through train cars when all they had to do was crash to the fucking roof of the front train and everything would have been fine. Well, maybe yes, like, maybe no, because they had to take out you know everything that was protecting them. Oh, uh, now you're making now you're making stuff up for the film. You know that for a fact that they had to take out those dudes. Well, Just fucking crash through the light and be like, hey, hands in the air. So parts parts of that. I mean, I, 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 I see your point. You see my but, point? Like yeah. little things like that in the movie. I was like, that's a little frustrating because this is such. An awesome representation of the Captain America origin. Like I, I, I liked the movie. Wish I'd loved it. Wish it had that extra thing that would have made me love it. But the way they integrated with Thor was awesome. The Avengers trailer is awesome. And the, the, the Avengers trailer works so, so well, well yeah. because it came right off of the end of the movie. Yeah. You know, with him being there in the present and just see him working out there in the present, it just it, it really flowed nicely. No, I, I, I was way into it. You know, it's going to be a Blu-ray purchase for me. And now I'm yeah. hearing from San Diego that. Uh, uh, I heard Joe Casada talking um, about how you know how Marvel was talking about those live action shorts. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I actually saw. I, I was over at the Marvel booth uh-huh. and I saw. You know, the whole. You know, it was. Uh, you know, Colson. Yeah, Clark Gregg has, yeah. yeah. has a short. And, yeah, I'm, and that's I'm supposedly going to be on the Thor Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. No, so. I saw. I saw half of them. Uh-huh. How was it? No, they're they're cool. They're really interesting. And what does it take? It, it's just it's people who are already established in the movie universe and they're doing yeah. things. But yeah, just seeing certain things that are leading up to other stuff. I thought that what they were going to do was use those as a, an outlet to start introducing additional characters, like a Black Panther or like a Doctor Strange or something like that. Not that I know of. Mm-hmm. I mean, they certainly could. Right. They just accent what we already know. Yeah, I think so. It's just cause yeah. it's, it's nice extras. I mean, you can call them the lead scenes, whatever you want to call them. Right, I mean, right, right. You know, the yeah. extras, that they, they work. They're in continuity. Um, it's a nice little thing. You know, I mean, you're not, you're not paying extra money for them. Right. So, you know, I think they're cool. Yeah, you're going to buy those damn Blu-rays anyway, yeah, exactly. <laughs> is really the point. Exactly. Um, another thing that I was talking to, I was actually talking to this with my film students, because you know, it's me and I'm a teacher and I get geeky. We were talking about that deleted scene from the beginning of The Hulk, that deleted intro, where you actually see the failed suicide attempt by Banner with the gun, mm-hmm. um, and he yells and the ice shelf falls, and you right. see the silhouette of Captain America. I was thinking about that too, how that now doesn't work. Well, they could George Lucas that motherfucker. But you're right; it doesn't completely work. But it's but a having seen scene, having so. seen the beginning of Captain America, you never see his body. They find his shield, right? And they find the the. But the, even the shield the is part of that right. whole silhouette. I mean, that's. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It doesn't totally work. All right, so you can't George Lucas that one. All right, there's always hope. I was like, eh, maybe, maybe. A new hope. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know how George Lucas, they, you know, he goes back and they, it's like, oh, right, let's put that, let's put that back into Hulk. Mm-hmm. That would have been cool. But uh, you are right. Um, I liked the movie. Actually, at San Diego, I got a chance to talk to some of the Marvel. I mean, let me yeah, just say that that was, that was one thing that disappointed me was What's that, that it didn't in any way tie into Hulk that way because that that was a nice yeah. thing. And we do see a lot of uh, Nick Fury talking to people and recruiting people, but mm-hmm. I loved the freshness of having Tony Stark doing it. In the uh, add-on right. on the Hulk, I thought yeah, that was yeah. cool. I mean, couldn't we have? It wouldn't have been really easy for even just a reference that the Hulk had just been there, and that's mm-hmm. why they found the ship then. Right. You know, like something like that. I mean, it was set up that way. Right. The Hulk was fully set up that way that he's up there, you know, hanging out, yeah, getting mad, trying to yeah. trying to keep himself away from populated yeah. areas. I mean, if you don't want to do the CGI, you, you have to show the Hulk. It could have right. just been, you know, like. In Hulk, you know, uh, I mean, with, with Iron Man too, where you see the Hulk stepping at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Um, let me get to these interviews. I, I uh, at San Diego, actually, for the show that I do on Machinima called Nerd Rage. Uh, I, if you guys watched this past week's episode, I actually got to talk to Joe Casada, Axel Alonso, and um, Jeff Loeb from Marvel about everything that they were doing at San Diego. Uh, if you watch Nerd Rage, only a small portion of those interviews got shown on Geekscape. We actually get to show you guys. The rest of the footage. Was there any conversation with Loeb about his reborn project? Um, yeah, about um, well, here here's the thing, and you, you'll watch the the interview. I gave him a little bit of shit about the Captain America White, you know, yeah, the, the whole thing. Sale thing. Uh, but yeah, then he's talking about Cable reborn. It's all in this interview. So it is Cable. You'll, you you got to see for yourself. Yeah. You guys have huge events coming up, like Spider Island. Uh, what are the big announcements that you have? Um, after fear itself, have you guys made big announcements here? At we have some big announcements at today's Cup of Joe panel, mm-hmm. where we'll be revealing a lot of the you know the often asked questions, um, and I think there's going to be some uh, some uh, some buzz. Let's put it that way. What are your f- oh oh so the wasp is coming back? Cool. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of comic books that that are marked by genres, you know, like Shang Chi for you know, obvious reasons, Luke Cage, which is modeled on the black exploitation flicks I grew up with as a kid. Um, so I think for me, I love to see Shang-Chi doing what he's unique to do, which is to use Kung Fu and that skill set and uh, the attitude that I remember reading and digging as a kid, seeing that in the Marvel Universe. Um, you know, I think it's an interesting collision with the uh, tights and superheroes who had super villains that have all these powers. You know? Right. And the stuff that, that they were doing with Brobaker and Secret Avengers was amazing. Sure. Was Shang-Chi. Yeah. That was a really big arc. Are we going to see that going anywhere? Uh, you know, I actually don't know the answer to that question. I would assume you would, though. Yes. Uh, you have the architects of the Marvel Universe. These guys like Brian Michael Bendis, Jonathan Hickman, they're in charge of kind of leading the ship. Uh, yeah. um, how much? Uh, uh, how often do you guys talk about this uh, uh, steering? Is it every week? Do you guys have monthly meetings? How do you guys put together the Marvel Universe? Well, we have at Marvel, we have, we're called the House of Ideas for a reason, which is to say that we have, we think, the best writers in the business. You know, uh, Bendis, Fraction, Aaron, Baker, and Hickman are the architects insofar as they're people that at this point in time are writing some of our biggest books and are... Uh, positioned for the future, mm-hmm. so you'll see some big things that are coming out. Um, that said, our our writing roster hardly ends with them. We have incredible writers, you know, from, from you know, Rick Remender's Emergent Amazing Star, Kieran Gillen, just go down the list. Dan Slott, Dan Way. Dan Slott's a, uh, a Spider-Man is incredible. Exactly. You know, he's uh, that's one of those books that has upward inertia right now. Um, he owns that book. So we're very, very proud. We think that we've got a good track record of finding writers who really groove to our characters, have something to say. 
and we try and uh, get out of the way to the degree that we can to let him tell the best stories. Now, in, in a meeting, it, when Brian Michael Bendis starts talking, do most people just zone out for 20 minutes and wait yeah, for Yeah, we barely listen right. to what he says, yeah. Finding new talent, like somebody like Rick Rubin, or like who did, who did Fear Agent, somebody like Jason Aaron, who did an amazing book in Scout. Uh, how do you look for new talent on the art side and on the uh, writing side? I think the, the it's not that difficult. You just, you know, you, you go out there and you read. Um, if there's any skill involved, I think is that you're able to intuit from what someone's writing. Um, what they might gravitate toward. Um, and if you don't know, you just speak with them. Um, you know, it, it, it's not rocket science. Uh, I think that the key thing is that if you find a writer from the independent you know, world or what have you, self-publishing world, that you find a way to have them land on the right thing. You don't give them what's called the poison chalice, mm -hmm. a really high-profile gig that doesn't play to their strengths. Right, and I'm excited about Rucka on Punisher. I'm excited about Mark yeah. Wade on Daredevil. I mean, I think those are great selections. Your work? Go ahead and say yes. Go ahead and say it's your uh, work. I, mean, that's I, I wish I could say it was. I have relationships with both those guys. You know, Rucker was my guy back at, right. uh, at Vertigo and, and at Marvel uh, initially before he, he went and worked for DC. I'm thrilled to have him back. I'm in complete support of Steve. Uh, it was Steve Wacker's idea and I fully support it. What we're going to be doing is telling stories that exist in the Marvel Universe. That's the most important part. And he's the guy to be trusted on this because, I mean, you've written films. You wrote Teen Wolf. You wrote Commando. You wrote the Howie Long movie. I did. No, no, I produced, you, you produced the Howie Long. I produced Firestorm. But you've also which been was actually made more famous by that Seinfeld episode than the actual film itself. <laughs> and but you've also been, uh, especially recently, really involved in television with Heroes, Smallville. Yep. I mean, so if, Lost. if, if Marvel's going to be doing, uh, spearheading television, you're going to be the guy. Jeff, you are an experienced comic book writer. I mean, yes. you've gone through many of the phases, especially of the of the big um, tentpole events in yes. comics. I mean, onslaught and seeing things. Uh, I mean, 15 years ago to I, now. I, I, I was there at Age of Apocalypse. Let's put it. <laughs> That way. How are things? Uh, how do you see the industry going, especially now that there's a, a bigger public, uh, you know, acceptance for things like comic books and comic book properties? How are, how are you seeing the, the the trend of comic books going? I, look, I, I think it's very much the same. I you know I, I absolutely believe that the addition of digital will is a game changer. I, I you know the fact that you can now download Daredevil Yellow uh, in its complete form in a you know. 1.2 seconds or something, and, and look at it on an iPad uh, is extraordinary. So you know that part of it, I think, is very very exciting. Uh, so anytime that you're able to do that, whenever the next breakthrough comes, it's awesome. Uh, now Daredevil Yellow, you did Spider-Man Blue. You were going to do Cap White, and then Cap White never came out. And of course, Captain America came out this past weekend. And there's I, no all Captain all America I can White. tell you is, all I can tell you is that you're going to blame it on Tin Sale. Tim Sale has script. Uh-huh. Let's talk about the comic you're going to, you announced, that you're going to be putting out. Uh, this is, uh, I've decided to go back to a character that I have loved. Um, we had a lot of talk. There, because of my responsibilities to Marvel Television, there, I can't really commit to a lot of things. Uh, Ed McGinnis and I obviously had a tremendous amount of success on Superman Batman. We had a tremendous amount of success on, on, on Hulk. Um, and so we were looking for a character that we could really sort of step back into and have a lot of fun with. Interestingly enough, the first character, the first monthly book that I ever did uh, at Marvel was Cable. Mm -hmm. uh, Cable, as, as the X fans know, uh, died tragically. And, uh, ooh, and we don't so, know that yet. So, so basically, the, the answer to the question that, that we put out there that we've been teasing for the last couple of months 
is the, the five blank spaces before reborn is actually cable reborn. Wow. So I am, I am bringing Nathan Dayspring Summers uh, right. back to uh, the world of the X-Men and to the world of Marvel Universe. And, I, you know, my take on it was always that uh, Nathan was raised as a soldier uh, and has that responsibility and is very different-minded than everybody that, that grew up under the tutelage of either Magneto or uh, Charles Xavier. And I want to go back and sort of explore that. And, and in my world, he is the Captain America of the X-Men. That's cool. So that's the take, so and that's Cyclops, what we're going to be doing. And you're going to heal Shizzle. Like Cyclops and Wolverine uh, I, I, talk I, to I, each I, other. They, they, they can finally can... talk to Cyclops again. <laughs> and it'll be a happy family. And now we well, just need Gene back. Whatever we do. I, I have nothing to do with Gene. Jeff, thank you so much. I'm involved in any, anything that's creative about Marvel. Uh, I'm generally at those meetings. The, the only the only thing admittedly that I'm not involved with right now is the gaming world. Mm -hmm. uh, just because there just aren't enough hours. First of all, there aren't enough hours in the day. Second of all, I have to do a lot of catching up because I, I stopped gaming a while ago because it's the only way I get anything done. Uh, but I have a feeling that eventually I'll, I'll end up you know working a little bit in that in that world as well. Uh, but just about everything else, television, uh, animation, movies. Uh, comic books, toys, uh, toys. Yes, yeah, somewhat, somewhat toys. Right. Uh, but, but, all, but really, the, the, dealing with with all those other branches of Marvel eventually bleed into the toys. So we'll create stuff in animation with the idea of doing toys. But then that goes to Hasbro and, and those guys to do, the, to do their job. Right. Now, uh, we have tons of gamers who watch this show. Mm. What are the games that you miss? that you'd love to be able to get back to? Or you, when you see a game that's coming out, you're you like, know, man, I, I'd love I, to have time to play that. I, I, I went out, I bought Call of Duty, right? Because everybody talks about Call of Duty. And I put it in there, and I started playing for about 15 minutes, and then my wife called me, and that's been it, you know? Right. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to do stuff around the house as well. Uh, but there's stuff like that, you know I mean? Admittedly, the only games that I, that I really sort of play when I get a chance are sports games, just because, or, or especially Major League Baseball, only because, you know what, it's got a finite end, and when I'm done, I don't necessarily have to worry about being addicted to it, because I, I, I did have a problem. I was Pokemon. It was the Pokemon, is that what you're talking no, about? No, no, Legends of Zelda, man. Legends yeah. of Zelda, when it first came out, uh, was a very dangerous thing. I started missing work, uh, started showing up late for, for meetings, and uh, uh, then my girlfriend was at the time was yelling me about it, and then I, uh, I said, well, here, why don't you play it? And then suddenly she's showing up late for work, and it was a whole mess, man. It was a, it was a bad trip. I got a problem. I got a really big problem. You brought back Daredevil. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, you're the guy who took that ship and started pointing it at characters like Luke Cage and all these people with the help of these writers. Right. And you're reinvigorating characters that we love, or maybe DC B-level characters. Right. I mean, uh, after a while, we expect it. Yeah, but you know, I can't take credit for that stuff. Uh -huh. yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I can, I, what I can take credit for is making sure that we have incredibly smart and brilliant creators at Marvel. You know, a character like Luke Cage would probably, you know, would probably still D-level if it wasn't for the fact that Brian Bendis has a huge affection for Luke Cage. As a matter of fact, this is a real secret. Brian Bendis thinks he's Luke Cage. <laughs> Right. He calls you on the phone and... No, no, he really, he, he, Luke Cage is like his alter ego persona. I think that's why he writes him the way he does, which is really ironic when you know what Brian looks like, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, you know, or take Iron Fist, for example, right? Iron Fist isn't necessarily something that I sat there and said, let's bring back Iron Fist. What happened was that we ended up getting getting uh, Ed Brubaker from, from DC. We brought him here to Marvel, and he was also good friends with Matt Fraction, who we were bringing over to Marvel. And the two of them had a great affection for that character. And when they came to us and said, we want to revitalize Iron Fist, 
yeah, go ahead. And when you get guys that are that passionate about it, let them roll with it. Uh, and every once in a while, you get lucky and it really hits. And, and I think they did wonders for Iron Fist and, and, and made it into uh, what really brought the best essence of the character out. Uh, so we get lucky that way. But, you know, I, like I said, I can't take credit for all that stuff. Daredevil, I can kind of take credit for it, but I don't think Daredevil was that tough. Right. I think people love the character. They just wanted to see and read with Daredevil. What would you tell all the haters of the One More Day storyline? As a, I mean, how would you defend One More Day? But, but you know what? It's funny it's that I, I really don't have to do it anymore mm -hmm. because, because a lot of the haters, well, first of all, they're, they're just not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and ironically enough, this is my third day signing here at the Marvel booth. I sign more Spider-Man books than anything. Uh, and, and what's interesting is that I started seeing this happen uh, at the New York convention at, at last, I'm sorry, uh, no, no, at the Chicago convention this year, where also the tide was turning and I had people coming up to me and giving me their Spider-Man books and saying, you know what? You were kind of right. The, 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 the character is much better. Look, I understand. Pulling the bandage is very, very tough and there was no story we were going to tell that was going to make fans happy. But, you know, editor-in-chiefs that came before me knew that this had to happen. I just happened to be the one that said, screw it, let's just pull the bandage. You know, I, I think I've built enough cred with the fan base uh, that, that I kind of know what I'm doing, that, uh, that I can take the hit. Because right. I knew I was going to take the hit. And that's one of the reasons why I drew it. Uh, and then with, with Omit, came back and sort of showed people that, because there, there were these rumors that all of Spider-Man's history was wiped out. Like, where are we? Right, no. and, and the only thing that was taken, and, and this is you know this is a trope that we do in comic books all the time, where we remove a piece of continuity. We didn't reboot Spider-Man from, from issue one. All that history happened. All that didn't happen was the wedding no longer happened. That day was taken and lives shifted a little bit, but then everything just kept rolling the same and way. And Spidey never demasked. No. Right. Um, if it leads to Dan Slott writing the book, you can do a million one yeah. more days. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing that heals the bandage the faster. Is just and, you guys going after right. amazing writing, right? right? And, and also, but Dan, Dan will be the first to tell you. You know, we, we have now given him a great Spider-Man to write mm -hmm. because because he's not chained um, by the marriage. And again, for those out there who think I hate marriage, that's not true. All right, there are certain characters out there that work better married and where family with more family you pile on. Take Fantastic Four for example, mm -hmm. right? The more family you can pile into the Fantastic Four, the better that book becomes because it is about family. Right. It's not about Reed Richards and his social life or Reed Richards and his ensemble. It's about Reed Richards and his family. Uh, with Peter Parker, so much of the world of Peter Parker, uh, or even the world of Spider-Man, I, I always say that, that every Spider-Man book, if you do a great Spider-Man book, really the title of that book is Amazing Peter Parker. Right. Because it all starts with Peter, and then when you put us on the suit, that's when you get the adventure. But if, if Peter isn't an interesting character, if there isn't uh, a drama to his life, then you're going to end up with boring Spider-Man stories. And we've seen those. We've seen those in the past. So what happens with 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 the, with the character who's married? And, and I'm going to borrow from Chris Rock. And I'm not going to say it as funny <laughs> as Chris Rock did. But you know, if I, if I look at my life, for example, you know, um, my life as, as as a married man, you know, is, is is much more stable than it was when I was a younger man. Um, Yet the, my life as a younger man would make a much better comic book or much better novel than my life as a, as a, as a, as a uh, married man now, um, just because of all the things that can happen, you know, uh, whether it's girlfriends, breakups, whatever it may be. Uh, the, so, so there were, there were, there were. So then you have a married Peter Parker, right? So there's two ways that you could play this this marriage. You could play it as happy and fantastic, which really is kind of boring to write, right? Mm -hmm. Hi, honey, I'm home. Oh, yeah. I love you. No drama whatsoever, right? Or you could play it as in constantly bickering, breaking up, not, and that's something that we didn't want to do with Peter and Mary Jane from a marriage standpoint because it doesn't say great things about marriage. So, um, so a Peter Parker that's single allows us allows him to still be with Mary Jane, but it also allows for that for those 
great stories like, you know, all of a sudden he meets Black Cat and there's a flirtation going on there. If Peter was married and that flirtation was going on, he's the villain of the story. Right. You just can't do it. Uh, if Peter hangs out with a group of, a group of, uh, of, of friends and he's married and they're not, He's the married guy in the group. You know, are you single or are you married? I'm married. You're married. Okay, I'm happily so, married. So you, there's you nothing exciting about me. You ever hang out with your single friends, right? So, yeah. And you're like the, like the old dude, right? I know. Even though you may not be old, it just happens. So um, I see them hitting on girls. I'm like, don't fucking do that. Right, right. Trust me, I've been there. It doesn't work. Yeah. So, so you know, um, and, and the other thing is that, that a lot of the readers that got upset about it were readers that are our age, and that right. Peter has grown up with them. And you have to, and that's the other thing, you have to pull away and, 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 and not be so selfish about it and realize, you know what, there are little kids all over this convention here who are dying to read stories about Spider-Man that relate to them, not that relate to you right. and me. You know? Right, and, now, and, and I go with that. On the video game side, when you're playing the Spider-Man video game, one of my big complaints is, it's a lot of Spider-Man. Yeah. It doesn't matter if he's 2099, yeah. it doesn't matter if he's clone Spider-Man, yeah. it doesn't matter if he's Ben Reilly. We want to see Peter, and yeah. I don't think that there's enough balance in the video game side right. of that Peter right. to add that, that outside tension of his personal life right. to what Spider-Man is doing. I have to beat up the rhino right. before Aunt May yeah. get, gets, to, gets to the hospital, right. and then I've also got to make a date with, with Mary That's Jane. an interesting note. I, I mean, that, yeah. but, th but that was the note as I was sitting through the presentation for yeah. the Shattered Dimensions, ah. or whatever the, this next one is, that looks like the last five. Right. I said, Give us Peter, right, right. and you get the game. Yeah, the, that's interesting. The, these, these, you can beat up a million people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter right. if you don't know the person inside the suit. Exactly. Go ahead and take that to the meeting. Now you're going to get involved in the video game side. I will. Yeah. You let you. them know. I will. Okay. I'll credit you. It's fine. It's all good. Pay it forward. All right. Just keep making good comments. That's right, man. That's all right. right. So those are my interviews with some of the big Marvel head honchos, uh, Jeff Love of Marvel TV, and then the big editors, uh, Joe Casada and Axel Alonso. We went to see another movie. We went to see a movie talking about people who were integral to the Marvel uh, Cinema Universe. John Favreau has a new movie, Cowboys and Aliens. And we were excited about this movie because it's John Favreau, the guy who did Iron Man. Right. It's Harrison Ford, right. who you always have to get excited about. Sure, it's Han Solo and Jones. And you've got Daniel Craig. James Bond. So we're, we're pretty... And, and, and Olivia Wilde. We always yeah. want to look at Olivia Wilde, right? Yeah, she's fine. Uh, she is fine. But... Uh, here we go. We got this movie. We're excited about it because it's all things genre, cowboys right. and aliens. But, you, and but about a month right. out, you start hearing about the reviews, and you're true, like, "Wait, true. I started hearing this movie's not that good." But we're still kind of stoked to see it. Yeah. I really, really want to and, like this and, movie. And the movie starts in the opening scene. Great kick-ass opening scene. Pretty right? badass. Daniel Craig, a man who can't remember anything, he whips some ass at these bounty hunter dudes. Yeah. Who seem hardcore. They got fucking Total scalps. Awkward. Kicks the shit out of them. Right, and then he inherits a dog. So far, so good. Why, why don't people like this movie? Right. And then those kind of mysteries just keep going. It's a guy who goes in... It's a guy... It's a mysterious guy, goes into a town, meets a mysterious girl, mysterious things start happening, and it's not until about an hour that things start being explained. And it was kind of like the first... Wait, 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 wait. That, that yeah. was your comment, but, but the movie goes bad long, long before, before that. that. I mean, you called Olivia Wilde's character five minutes in, and we won't right. spoil it, but... If I'd cared, I, th I think I would have called it too. Right. But but literally five minutes in, I stopped caring about this movie because it didn't feel like it had any traction. Yeah. I, I mean, she was on the screen for about a minute, and I knew exactly her deal. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and here's the thing: everyone's wrapped up with Daniel Craig being super mysterious and coming from out of town. There is a smoking hot A-level model-looking girl with a gun right. walking around a town where most of the people look like rapists and nobody blinks a fucking eye. No no, no, no one hits no, on her, like no one anything. Nothing. She's just walking around. She's, she's the most ethereal. fucking mysterious thing in town, but right. they're like, oh, Daniel Craig's in town. Right. What about this guy who looks like the rest of us? 
a badass. So right there, the movie's not making a whole lot of sense, and it's got some great actors in it. Well, well wait a second. I mean, and how much? Tell me if I'm yeah, going too much. It. But you know, in that scene, they have their interaction, and there's obvious connection. She wants something from him. And then you have the whole thing where, you know, he's about to be arrested. And she's only saying mysterious and, things. She's only, right. like, saying really exactly, mysterious exactly. things. But it, it's like, you know, he's, like, invincible. Right. You know, I mean, you know, once again, you know, five guys come at him with guns and rifles. And without even pulling his gun, he beats the shit out of all of them. He takes all the guns down. And then, of course, but she, is, she knocks him out. She hits him, him on the head. Yeah she, yeah, she hits him over the head, knocks him out. Hits him with a spoon. And the explanation is... Eventually, is well, you know, you would have left if I didn't do that. I couldn't let you, you know, leave. I couldn't let you leave. Um, really, you know, what about you know, after you knocked his ass out, the guy on the left got up and shot him in the fucking head, right? You know, I mean, like, that makes sense. It, it, it does those frustrating things that like Lost would do, where they're giving you information, but they're only giving you enough information to be mysterious, not enough information to be realistic. So, not be, it kept me from being invested in any of the characters. Lost is so because, much better, But you understand, right? The I frustration where, where if we're on a, okay, Matt Kelly, Ian, and I, we all get crash landed on a fucking island, and there's a fucking monster, right? We would all share that information immediately. But in Lost. Yeah, or use you as bait. But it, on, on Lost, they wouldn't share that information. They would share it when it was convenient. And it felt like with this, the, she would only share the... Like, some of the characters would only say enough to be convenient to the plot, not to be realistic, not to okay. gain any sympathy. And you find yourself detaching yourself from the character more and more. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, can we talk about the dog? Yeah, the dog that has magic... It's probably the toughest thing in the world. I mean, first of all... You hear the, the dog the, die. Yeah, yeah. No. Starting okay. out... So the dog... Clearly belongs to these people that the are like, hunters, you know, yeah. yeah, they're bounty hunters. So he kills them all. Suddenly the dog is with him. <laughs> he goes to the town. You know, now the dog's with him. It ain't like he fed the dog or anything. We didn't even see the dog get mistreated. Right. You know, like normally it's all right. The dog was mistreated. And he comes in. And he hits him. So now the dog loves him. Okay, no, the dog instantly loves him. Okay, so then he goes to town. He goes to the saloon. Whatever else, I don't know where the dog is. You know, he comes out. He gets arrested. I don't know where the dog is. You know, he's seemingly in jail a solid day. I mean, it's overnight, whatever else. Yeah. He has the whole thing, you know. The aliens come, the whole get out of jail. They well, put their posse together. And once they start tracking the alien. Right. Suddenly, there's, there's the dog with them. You mm -hmm. know, they're going along. Next thing you know, you have the scene, and I'm trying to be more yeah, or less big. vague. But we have reason to believe. We hear the dog yelp, you know, and you see the alien. Dog must be dead, You right? see the dog rush off to where you believe the alien to right. be. You know. He, 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 there's an interaction. Yeah, they're rough, hear, rough. You know. The okay. Dog, the dog's dead. Dog's dead. Because right. it's a fucking alien. Right. That Giant is, fucking that alien. That you see killing people. Right. Right. Next scene? Next scene. Little, little next boy from Avatar is looking for the dog. Right. Little boy from Avatar who, who will not be winning any awards anytime no. soon. He's, he's not a very strong actor. No. He's looking for the dog. And we're like, oh, well, the dog's dead. Kid, you heard the dog right. die. Right. Next that, scene? There's the dog. There's the dog. Fine. The rest of the movie. Wait, there's excuse the me. Dog. Not a scratch on the dog. No, dog's fine. I was thinking the dog was an alien, which would have been awesome. Yeah, it the dog been, running off like that. It would have been that awesome been really cool. if, 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 if when they finally reveal that, right. that, that these are aliens, they're here for a reason, they're, you know, they're going to eradicate the, the, the earth. That's I am number four. Right. I was thinking that there would be a great scene where the dog turns to Daniel Maybe Craig the only and good says, thing about that I am here actually. to warn your race. But wait a second. Maybe the only good thing about I am number four. I didn't see it. I heard such bad things I, about I am number four. It's, it's not good, but you watch it on cable. Okay. You know, so you'll be able to talk about it. Um, yeah, I wasn't... 
If you guys honestly, if you wanted to go see somebody versus aliens movies this weekend, go see Attack the Block, Gangsters versus Aliens. Go see that. Uh, I'm we'll, gonna go see that. Yeah, I, I reviewed it back in in March. Well, it's a limited the movie's release. Fucking awesome. If it comes to your town, you guys owe it to yourselves to watch this movie. Ian, you're gonna love this movie. I'm gonna Cowboys love it. and Aliens. I wanted to love, but it would also it would just continue to do dumb things. You know, even small I, I, things like a little kid and he has a little periscope, and he sees that aliens are starting to swarm the valley where everybody's fighting. And he's supposed to be the lookout. You hear him go, there's more of them. Who possibly heard him? <laughs> you know, he's supposed to be the warn, the, the lookout. He's only talking to the audience. He's not saying, hey, there are more coming. Look up. He's going, oh, no, there are more of them. Wait a second. What, 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 you, you mean you didn't, you didn't love the scene when the Indian chief is saying to Harrison Ford, oh, what kind of great soldier are you because no one's following you? And then just then, over the ridge, comes Daniel Craig with his whole outlaw gang to yeah. follow him. Or whenever they got themselves in trouble, Daniel Craig's magic bracelet would start beeping, and it just seemed, which is a shame, considering there were 19 writers on the script, from what I could tell. Right. Uh, it seemed like every other line in the script was, but then, because anytime there was problems, the fucking bracelet would beep, or people would enter the scene. And, whether it was Native Americans, whether it was outlaws, they always had the fucking and, crux. And by the way, considering the bracelet was actually, you know, the alien's bracelet... Why was it reacting to aggressively to the actual aliens? If anything, you would yeah. think that the bracelet would be reacting to humans because it under, it knew about the aliens, right? Yeah. The aliens were the good guys. I, I would, fi- I would, I would file all qu- answers to any questions about this movie under who gives a fuck. Is that, is that fair? I think that's pretty accurate. Who cares? Okay. And, and actually, speaking who about who cares, bombing. The movie's bombing. Oh, dude. I mean, losing to the, to the Smurfs, Smurfs doesn't mean well, well, it's bombing. Yeah, the Smurfs but it, is... it's $9 million less what, what they projected. They projected $45 million, It's at 36 and change. Yeah. That's bombing. Yeah. Okay. You know, and losing to the Smurfs. Yeah. Uh, is that Smurfs good movie good, Matt, Kelly? You didn't go to that? It's, it's got my boy MPH. Yeah, it does have Neil Patrick Harris in it. You think got, the Neil Patrick... They Patrick should have put Neil Patrick Harris in this Cowboys. Dude, in honestly, I, I, I consider seeing the Smurfs. I'll probably watch it on cable, you know. Okay. I liked Smurfs when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of things that we got, uh, you know, that are coming up that we got pretty good trailers for, Walking Dead Season 2. Did you see that fucking trailer? Of course I did. We were so pumped for, for, I mean, Walking Dead was so, remember when we watched the fucking Walking Dead early last year? We got Chinese food, Ian, we had a little screening party at my place. It was just Ian, Laura, and I. Yeah. But uh, we watched The Walking Dead. We were so excited about it. I This trailer has me stoked, even with this news that Frank Darabont is stepping down as showrunner. Um, stepping down is not accurate, but go on. Okay. But uh, I'm trying to make it as PC and That's like fine. as whatever as, as it can be. Uh, Walking Dead Season 2, I'm excited about it. The trailer's got me excited. But then there's that worry from last season that it's going to turn into The Talking Dead. You know? Because those last three episodes of Walking Dead were... A lot of talk and not a whole lot of zombies and human action, you know? You read the book, right? I do read the book, and I understand. But that's why I read the book. I can pace the book. I mean, you read I can't the trades, pace the TV. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same. I think it's the same story. Pretty sure. It is. Pretty it's just, sure. It's just a little behind. I know, I know. A little behind the book. Uh, and there is a lot of talking in the, co- in the comic. I understand that. But I'm watching it on TV. I want live action. I want the action portion of my live action. But, but, but that's not what the show is trying to be. The show is not a zombie fest who gets killed every mm-hmm. week. And that's not, what the, that's not what the show should be. I mean, maybe it's what you want to see every yeah, week. Yeah, it and is. You're I'm sorry. Started. No, you don't have to be sorry. But, you know, I mean, that doesn't sustain a, a good, well-written television show. It's about the character and that stuff. I mean, look, you know what? Point, it, point it, it, Ian. You guys, I'll pause. Point Ian. 
You know, it, and, and, and it's the argument yeah. I have with people about, you know, Bendis' comics, you know? Yeah. I actually really enjoy Bendis' comics. I have comics. yet to I, read the last three Avengers. Okay, but but I enjoy, the, I, I enjoy the interaction. I enjoy the character stuff. You know, when he, when he does action, I think it's really good. But, you know, there's a lot of other books out there that, you know, every other page is an action scene. I like seeing that character stuff. It makes it, it, makes it real for me. Okay. Okay, point in to part two. Two points again. So far, you have two points. Right. You know, the, the, the guy we get our comics from, he loves Cat. it. He loves it. I, you know? I'm i annoyed by it. Okay. Yeah. I enjoy it. So, speaking about good television, you like the Doctor Who? I heard you, you like this Doctor Who. Just 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 taking a gander, just taking a guess that you're a Doctor Who fan. Um, I feel like you're setting up another... This, I am going to set up a, a couple of interviews, but in all of... Uh, Stephen Prescott had some interviews in San Diego, and we'll get to them. But first, I want to find out, Ian... What do Doctor Who fans have to look forward to? There's a new season coming up. What's going on? We're in the mid season. So it's the second half yeah, of yeah. that mid season. And, and the you know they did something they've never done before where they stopped in the middle of the season, but he left it with a sort of they advertised the big cliffhanger. Actually, it was very satisfying. It was a big reveal of River Song's mm-hmm. identity, and you know, Good Man Goes to War was just great. And you know, yeah, very exciting to see what comes next. What are you hoping you get from the second half of the next season? Well, I, I know I, I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get the resolution of, you know, the, the season premiere with Doctor seemingly dying, you know, in, mm-hmm. in his future. You know, and, and they'll, they'll deal with that. We'll see more interaction with River Song, you know, who's Melody Pond and, right. you know, and, and what that means. And, you know, it's just going to be great. We've already seen from the trailer Cybermen. Now, listen, I know you're a big fan of Doctor Who, but I'm, I, what do you think, Matt? Do you think he's as big a Doctor Who fan as Stephen Prescott? Because Stephen Prescott, Stephen Prescott, Prescott fucking, wants to live in that universe. he dresses as the shit. Okay, like he walks around with his how, fucking Stetson, how, and how he's old got is the he? about your age. Okay, Stephen's about so, your age. So he's been watching Doctor Who. Since, he loves like, it. Like the seventies. Loves it, and he dresses in all this stuff. He runs around like he goes to all those meetups where they're all dressed the same. Mm-hmm. They got the bow ties and the Stetson hats and all this shit. Well, they're dressed as different it, doctors. It, 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 yeah, he dresses that. Rumor was Matt Smith was so impressed by his outfit that he got like a special seat. In the panel, just by how he was dressed. Supposedly, up. Really? supposedly, cool. you you guys will watch this. I, I have to say, by yeah. the way, this week's past episode of Futurama, little Doctor Who cameo. In it. <laughs> well, 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 supposedly, what, what Wally told me was that uh, Matt Smith was so impressed by Stephen Prescott's outfit that the interview stopped being about Doctor Who and started being Matt Smith just lauding Stephen Prescott's outfit. So we're gonna cut to that right now, and um, we'll be right back. Hey Geekscape, um, Steven here, and if I seem a little flustered or nervous, it's because I'm standing with Karen Gillan. The lovely, you're gorgeous. Oh, I'm a little thanks. intimidated here. But You've got sorry. braces on. I though. do, I do. I, uh, you know, I, I actually uh, have my, my doctor costume that I'm working on over here today. Amazing, so, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so how, how are you doing? How are you enjoying Comic Con? I mean, you guys are like rock stars here. How's it going? It's really cool. <laughs> it's so exciting. Um, I did not know what to expect with Comic Con at all, and then I got here, and everyone had said it's it's a big thing, but um, I didn't realize it would be an entire town. <laughs> yes. Um, of kind of sci-fi. So it's it's been amazing so far and we're doing a panel later which I'm quite nervous about and I'm quite excited about it should be good you're, are you going to watch hopefully hopefully oh, I get cool. in I mean there were people lined up uh, outside my hotel already this morning I to get into your panel I saw the queue yeah and there was yeah. a weeping angel in the queue yeah which was quite cool amazing amazing yeah um 
So, like, have you guys been rock stars? Um, you did Nerds Podcast last night. Yeah. You, I mean, you had Will Wheaton on the floor. And Will Wheaton is a geek icon. What yes. Was, oh, that was so exciting. What was awesome is that you guys were, like, didn't realize that it was the kid from Stand By Me. Right. We were talking about that. Me and Matt last night were like, I cannot believe he was in that. You yeah. know, it's so funny when you go, oh, yeah. So... Um, so, uh, so what can you tell us uh, about what's coming up? You know, second half of season six. Uh, well, some... um, we've got uh, the opening episode is called "Let's Kill Hitler." Right. It's amazing. Alex Kingston is so so good in it, and we have this kind of really cool robot slash villain thing called the Tesselector, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. There's a good idea behind that. And then uh, in episode ten, that's a big one for Amy. Um, a lot of stuff is explored, and something really awful happens to her actually and then we've got the mother of all twists in the finale is episode 10 i've seen a trailer you swashbuckling with a sword oh um yes there's a bit of fighting going yeah. on in that one yeah nice nice so how did you react when when you found out because i know that you guys didn't you guys didn't get the end uh the the the, the melody pond reveal at yeah. first right you went to the table reading without the last pages yeah, yeah there was a dummy ending yeah. on on the script so then we go in and it just kind of ended a bit weirdly and we were all like oh um, and then Stephen moffat takes us outside of the room and shows us me matt and arthur on his laptop and we just we were pacing around going oh my god we couldn't believe it you that's know. that's so Stephen moffat right yeah I mean, yeah I, yeah I, I, I interviewed him a few years ago, and he had, so he's like, he's got there's so much going on in his head, and you know, yeah. and like, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know how you guys keep the story straight because we can't keep the story straight. Yeah, at all. Yeah. We're trying to figure out what's going on. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but but you're, you're enjoying it. You want to stick around for for a while longer, playing Amy Pond? Or yes, what? I would quite like that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah have a family in the TARDIS now. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. so much fun. Well, I, you know, I think you're fantastic. Thank you. And, uh, you know, the, the when, when you guys came back and took over, I was sold right 11th hour. Oh, I mean, oh really? And I was a huge David fan. And then, you know, yeah. and, and uh, Billy and, and, you know, but mm. you guys are amazing. And oh, I hope well, you stick so around for, for a while longer. So, thank you. That's yeah, really nice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, cool. It's nice to meet you. Yeah, lovely <laughs> to meet you. Thanks. Hey, Geekscape. Uh, I'm here with someone, a face you might find familiar. He's been on the show actually before, like years ago. Toby Woodhouse, writer, uh, Being Human, which we are huge fans of. Thank you. And of course, Doctor Who. Right? You've written uh, School Reunion, Vampires of Venice, and now you've got an episode coming up uh, this, yeah. uh, in the second half of this season. And uh, you're, you're a Comic-Con veteran. It's I am. This year, is, right? No, my third year, but third year. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's always a joy to, uh, to come here. Um, I'm, you know, um, both being human and Doctor Who are, uh, you know, you know, very successful, popular shows in the UK. But uh, the response is obviously very kind of typically English, and so you know, um, we'll get a polite round of applause, uh, which is lovely and means a lot to us. But when we come to the, you know, when uh, you know, the last two years I've been here with the cast of Being Human. I mean, you know, this year I'm here with with Matt and Karen, and uh, we're always absolutely blown away by the, the passion and the enthusiasm of the audience at Comic-Con. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's utterly kind of, it, it's thrilling and, and, uh, uh, and, and just a delight to, to know that the shows are going down so well over here. Also, I was going to say, because um, you were here for Being Human in the past, and uh, last year I, I cornered you and talked about Doctor Who a little bit yeah. on the side, you know, and it's, it's nice to actually get to talk to Doctor Who. I know, I, about do, I, do feel, you, I feel slightly guilty you know, talking real. about being human, actually, to be honest. <laughs> I'm here on the Doctor Who dime. Yeah, so. But we're going to talk being human for a second. Okay. But first of all, um, uh, so your episode is episode 10, is that? Or episode 11. 11, okay. And uh, the God Complex, it's called. Yeah. And you've got David Williams. Which David is awesome. Williams, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. What else can you tell us? Uh, I'll, um, uh, in, in, in the God Complex, the Doctor Amy and Rory find themselves trapped in an ever-shifting hotel 
um, that's populated by other people's nightmares. That's all I can tell you. All right. Uh, that, sounds, that's, that sounds like a Toby Woodhouse episode. Yeah, it is. Oh, no, I'm, I'm really thrilled with it. I think that it's certainly the darkest episode of Doctor Who I've written. Um, and it's, I think it's a tone I feel much more comfortable with. Um, uh, it's my favourite episode that I've, I've done. I, I'm, I'm thrilled to bits with it. I've seen the nearly finished version, um, and uh, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm really delighted. The performances are amazing. Matt and Karen and Arthur are, are just stunning. Uh, David Williams is hysterical. It's, uh, no, I'm, I'm genuinely chuffed to bits with it. Did I see a Minotaur in one of the trailers? Yes. <laughs> and, yep, yeah, that's... It, that could be my episode. Could, yeah. Could, possibly. Yeah, the, possibly. The, the hotel corridor might have been a bit of a giveaway, but yeah, um, that, yeah that's my episode. I, I'm going to ask you a really controversial question right now. Okay. I don't ever want Stephen Moffat to leave, but no. if he did, would you take over a showrunner on Doctor Who? Oh, God. Um, it's The thing is... It, we wouldn't it, want to lose you from being human. No, it, um, it's... I mean, Doctor Who is an unbelievably stressful... A time-consuming job. I mean, you've—I mean, you've seen Stephen Moffat. He's 23. I mean, it's um, so I'm—I'm uh, not sure, but uh, uh, I think to be honest, I'd like to be the guy who takes over after the guy that takes over yeah. from Stephen Moffat, okay. um, and hopefully whoever that is will will all but ruin the show, and then I can. Then because can the thing is, is that you know, take you know, coming on to the show after Russell or Stephen. It's, it's not a prospect I'd relish, much as I, I love I love Doctor Who. Well, I, I want to say, I think you would be fantastic oh, at it. thank you very much. Yeah, I love all your episodes and Being Human. I, I'm sincerely one of my favorite shows. I mean, oh, that's really with funny. Doctor Who and Being Human are the only TV shows that make me cry. Oh, well, that's when really When Russell, Russell gets me every time, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, uh, no it's, it's, it's extraordinary. It's been, it's been quite a ride, uh, Being Human. And, um, uh, we, we, you know, as I say, we're thrilled that the... Um, we're thrilled with the with the success of it, and and the response of it, the response of the fans is is just fantastic, and it's uh, and it and it kind of energizes us and get, you know and and fuels our, our own in, you know because it's a very difficult show to get right, and uh, it's incredibly hard work, but it's the enthusiasm of the fans that keeps us going. Hey, hey nice Matt, races, man. thank you, How's thank you. How, How close am I? How close am I? Pretty close, dude. I got the G star. Everything. Oh no, you got the G star. I do, I do. Wow, I'm you, you steal those trousers off, Seth? No, 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 these are no, Levi's, but yeah. still, you're looking good, dude. Thank you, thank you. I, you know, I and have, the purple shirt. You know, well. I don't have the bow tie. I have a straight jacket in my bag. Yeah, I have the beard. I'm gonna do day of the moon. Oh no way! Nice. Yes. Yes. That's really cool. Hopefully, I can get a holiday. Wow, I've never yeah. seen anyone do day of the moon in the straight jacket. That's, That's what I figured. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. yeah. Like, the beard came first, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Geekscape, if you do not know who I'm standing here with, you need to just leave the site right now. That's just it. I mean, Matt freaking Smith is standing here next to me. This is fantastic. Dude, how are you? I mean, I'm cool, man. I'm loving your getup. This guy looks, you know, he, he's got into real detail here. He's looking cool. Thank you, thank you. Are you enjoying Comic-Con? Yeah. You're like a rock star. Well, yeah, I mean, that's very kind of you to say. I'm loving Comic-Con. It's, it's, um, I, I think the spirit uh, of everyone is just remarkable. and. You know, and actually, as a fan of so many shows, like I met the guys from True Blood, and was just like, "Whoa, I love you!" <laughs> um, that's, that's so you know, it's great fun because yeah. you get to meet your heroes, you know, and that's what's cool about Comic Con. Exactly, which I'm doing right now. Oh, I've, hey. I've got to say, you are my doctor. No like, way, really? Yeah, yeah. You know, I've watched in the '70s when I was a kid, and now Tom Baker was my doctor back then, and. Uh, you had me at apples. Oh man, hey, well, all credit to Stephen Moffat, right? Because what a great line. Can I have an apple? Yes. Um, <laughs> he's a clever dude, man.
Um, uh, well, you know, I, our time is up. But, oh, uh, that's a shame. That's I a shame. Know, you know, I know. It's, it's <laughs> cut short. It's been great to meet you. And, uh, so great meeting you as well. Costume of the day. I can't wait to see you as uh, Thank you. the day of the Moon you, Doctor. You, you got you to tell them, let the guy with the straight jacket into the hall. Yeah. Did you see the queue? No, yeah, going round. It like was the, all the way across the street oh, in my hotel. It's <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah. Going round. I yeah. know. I can't yeah. wait for the panel. I'm so excited. Me either. Me either. So hopefully I'll get in, I'll get in there. Yeah, and we're going to show some teasers and stuff, which is cool. Oh, no. It's Karen Gillen, everyone. It's Karen Gillen. Oh, she looks much better on screen than she does in the flesh. <laughs> Take it easy, man. Cheers, man. Feel like so that was Stephen Prescott talking to everyone behind the uh, second half of the yeah, season we... of Doctor Who. No, um, we didn't really talk that much about television. I mean, no, other, not too much. Oh. Stuff on. Have you seen Falling Skies? Yeah, I'm not into it. I'm not feeling Falling Skies. Are you feeling it at all? I, I do. I actually really like it. It's got, gotten better and better as it's gone on. That's I what mean, I'm hoping. I, I saw the first three. Well, well, the, or the, the first four. First I mean, four. I mean the, the funny thing is, you know, I've heard some people say, and, and I, I can't disagree, is in many ways, it's The Walking Dead. Right. It's you have this cataclysmic event, you know, and now you have humanity some ways coming together in some ways still having all the same foibles and the same bullshit fighting each other screwing each other over and all that stuff but I mean that's what good science fiction is supposed to do yeah but what doesn't happen in The Walking Dead is every other dialogue scene is a really like Cliff Notes version of a history lesson you know, and that happened a lot in the first three episodes where it was like, it did. here well, comes well, Noah Wiley about to talk teacher. about history. And it's like, we get that you're a history professor. We never doubt that you're a history professor. We need like two of those scenes. We got 18 of them. Okay. You know? I see your point. That being said, I'm enjoying it. I think Laura's kind of done with it, but mm. I'm enjoying it. I mean, you know, you throw in the fact you got It's not great, but I'm enjoying moon it. Moon Blood Good and Sarah Carter on the mm-hmm. screen. I yeah, mean, I'm, into I'm it. happy. Um, I will watch them, but I don't think it's anything that I'm going to be going freaking out over. Okay. You know? All right. Um, Speaking of freaking out, we got to get into comics because there's some heavy shit. Let's start with this Green Lantern because uh, Green Lantern was the one book that I thought was, and I, you probably wait, agree. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait let's wait. segue this way because you okay, know, you segue. We, we, you know, I, I, last time I was on the show, you had me on because of the whole fifty-two. Yeah. The, okay, so the, let's the, talk the there. And, and I think I think I was about to say the same thing. We okay. know that DC is resetting every title right. back to a number one. And those are 52 titles are relaunching in September. Well, it's starting with 52 in September. There's right. more after. Okay. So Green Lantern, the big hint that we see is that we see Sinestro as a Green Lantern Well, well again, we'd already right? heard that. We've heard Sinestro's that. going to be a Green Lantern. You know, we weren't really clear. Like, it was a new Green Lantern for the sector. Right. You know, so we weren't really clear where that was where that was going. And then we get to the end of the War of the Green Lantern. Well, even before that, we're loving this book. Like, Green Lantern oh, has, been, has been fucking awesome for the yeah. last five, six, seven years. Yeah, yeah. And we're looking at it being reset to a number one, and it's not but, gelling. We're like, we're like, wait, but, why, but, why would they reset this but, book? But, but bear in awesome. mind, unlike how they're fucking over a lot of the creative stuff that's right. gone on for several years, this is the guy that's been, you know, the, the architect yeah, of, of all Jones. of this. Yeah, he's the one that's. Not only is he doing the reset, he's staying on that book. And it felt so, like... So you have to know right. that he's not going to completely fuck himself over. Right. And, and, I, and as I'm reading Green Lantern, and it's going great, oh, this is about the course of the last two months, I'm thinking, how are they going to reset this? It's going so damn good. If you guys read the end of War of the Green Lanterns, you realize it's immune to this reset. Yeah. It's reset already. Yeah. And it's totally segued perfectly into this number one exactly. that with, the, with Sinestro. And, and interestingly, 
it 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 it, it sort of sets it in a place like it's pre-movie in a certain way. Yeah, at the end of War of the Green Lanterns, which was a pretty cool arc, you know, a, a rogue guardian comes I mean, well, back. By the way, the, the, what we're talking about is actually from the week before last, so it's yeah. not like we're spoiling yeah. something. Okay, talking at about. the end of it, Sinestro's a Green Lantern. Like he he like everybody pretty much gets stripped of their rings. People like Sinestro who are in charge of it. Carol Ferris, she gets stripped of their rings. And the rings go to different places. They ultimately come back to, to, to each of them, except Sinestro. Sinestro has a green ring grab him because he saves Hal Jordan. And he, he overcame fear. And he overcame the fear. So he's now the, the, the guardian, or he's now the Green Lantern for Sector 2814. Hal Jordan's not. Hal Jordan's right. just a dude back on well, Earth. Well, well, that's the big deal, is Hal Jordan is so, you know, this goes back to Emerald Dawn. Mm-hmm. You know, with Emerald Dawn, which is, you know, obviously it's post-crisis retelling the Green Lantern origin. Yeah. You know, they did something really interesting where they said there's something about Hal that he's actually able to go into the power battery and, and, and become a part of it. And then, and where Twilight was kind of the follow-up of that, that, you know, he could just become so powerful. And, you know, what Johns did later is he did all this stuff about, you know, he started talking about the entities, you know, and Parallax and Ion and all that stuff. You know, and, and to some extent he dealt with it. And, and then ultimately, more recently, there's been the whole thing about... You know, what was that was pretty much what brightest day was is earth is actually really special you know mm-hmm. you know coming off of infinite crisis and you know the, the, the establishment of 52 right. you know of you know the 52 universes it's this idea that earth is apparently the template it's right. it, it's the, the the place that everything else is based off and marvel of. has that nexus. too especially well, in the marvel movie has universe the nexus, down. nexus yeah. of realities right you know and and, and it's sort of a, a similar thing exactly that it's it's like earth is this nexus and that apparently is the reason why before Hal Jordan, there had never been a Green Lantern from Earth, mm-hmm. you know. But they don't go so far as to say that any Earth man that's right. a Green Lantern is going to be that special. Well, anyway, the point is that at the end of this, you know, Crona, going back to you know Christ and Infinite Earths, he's this villain that you know. I mean, he's the reason the antimatter universe existed and the Antimonitor and you know causing all these problems. So he caused this whole thing with the War of the Green Lanterns and taking control of the entities and messing with the Guardians. You know, and obviously, I mean, this guy can, like, destroy the universe. You think it, it doesn't get any worse than that. It gets to this moment where it's like, the only way you're going to stop this guy is you got to take him out. So how does it? He just, you know, force a will, you know, goes right through it, and he kills the guy. Right. You know, and it's awesome. And you think everyone's like, yeah, it had to be done. And the Guardian's reaction is there's an absolute failsafe because, you know, they're paranoid little fuckers that there's no way a power ring could ever be used to kill a Guardian. How Jordan's will was so strong he, did he pierced it. it, took him out. And that was a pretty awesome, like, that's the splash page. At the yeah, end of this fucking yeah it's awesome. He just shoots right through him. Right. And, and the Guardians look at that and go, like, uh, they're so afraid. They're like, oh, you know, you're out of here. Right. Because, and it's not even, like, a good reason. Everyone's like, what do you mean he's out of here? It's right. like, it's like, yeah, you killed one of us. It doesn't matter that he was a completely crazy it doesn't, and all that. It doesn't matter that Jon Stewart killed Mogo. No. And all this. No. It's that you no. killed a Guardian. You killed a Guardian because now we're afraid of your ass. You gotta right. go. Yeah, so Hal Jordan finds himself back in on Earth, right. kicking a fucking dirt road right. like he at is the nothing. end of this issue, yeah. right? He's nothing and to And now we're ready for September to roll around. Right. Right? And mind you, and it's it's very much, it's, it's Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. Because in Flashpoint, he's not Green Lantern. Right. Um, that is, I think that's the biggest thing that, um, for me, like, that makes 52 start to become more appealing. It, it got interesting. Like the, like, the whole reset starts to get a little more appealing because I have my well, in. I have my, yeah, my, no, my no, place, my, my Green Lantern. And, and that part's interesting. You know, some of the issues are, you know, when is each book taking place? For instance, right. you know, the Justice League book is going to be the formation of the Justice League. Not current, it's in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think I heard something like five years. 
you know, the uh, the Action Comics book right. is also in the past. I think I think longer in the past than that because that's Superman starting out. And Eric Diaz had a great article on our site. In his Weekend Geek, he re- he found out that. Um, Lady Luck is the blonde in that image that Jim Lee released. Like, there's a mysterious blonde over to the right. Yeah. It's it's like a Lady Luck character that Will Eisner created for his spirit storyline. And now she's, you know, she's under Hawkman and all that. And, those, you know, and, uh, and that's crazy that DC's taking these different things. Power Woman, or Power oh, Girls, no. not in it, but her alter ego is part of it. Karen Starts. Karen Starts exists in the universe. But she's not Power Girl, or she is, but she's not revealed. Like, Dan DiDio came out, and the article's really great. If you guys go to the site, look for Eric Diaz's Weekend Geek. He pretty much breaks down the difference, of, like, like some of the changes that, are, that he's curious about. Like, Wally West not existing, or just not being, um, or Wally West existing, but not being a Flash, because it makes Barry Allen too old. Right? Um, the, each little changes like that. That's Eric, crap. Eric had a great suggestion. Why don't they become a Justice League of the future? There you go, Wally West. You got all these different people who you don't really have place for here because they become redundant Wait, characters. First of all, let's back up, a second. back up a second. How what does Wally West make Flash older? He's not his kid. Right. Okay? He's his nephew by marriage. All right? I mean, there, there are many characters that, okay, might make him older. I mean, Damien makes Bruce older. Right. You know? Damien they're keeping because Morrison insisted, and mm-hmm. I'm happy about it. But, you know, I mean, it's just so fucking inconsistent. You know, it really is. It, it, it's, it's post-crisis all over again. You know, it was the same thing. You know, after Christ and Infinite Earth, they want to restart things, but Teen Titans was too popular. So you couldn't restart Teen Titans, and yet you're going to restart Wonder Woman completely. Wonder Girl doesn't make any sense. You know? Not that Wonder Girl ever made sense. <laughs> I mean, no, no. Actually, you know, I have to admit, I didn't know something that I learned very recently, and that's going back to the first appearance of Teen Titans... You know, Wonder Girl was actually a mistake. There was no Wonder Girl before that. Mm-hmm. All the appearances of Wonder Girl and Wonder Woman comics before that were actually stories of... It was Superboy. It was Wonder mm-hmm. Woman as a girl. There was Wonder Tot, Wonder Girl, Wonder Woman. They were all different points in Wonder Woman's life, as silly as it sounds. And they accidentally put them in the same company. And so, someone was going, okay, there had already been an appearance of Brave and the Bold with, you know, uh, Kid Flash mm-hmm. and Rob and Speedy. So, oh, let's do a young, the young Wonder Girl, too, because she exists. They didn't, they didn't realize research it was enough to realize that, yeah, there's no, there's no <laughs> such thing. So then they came up with a backstory about, you know, Donna Troy being a, a sister and that kind of thing. You know, and, and then, but I mean, so, so basically Donna Troy has been a mess forever. And yet, a character with a great story in history. Do um, you want to talk about Spider Island, Fear Itself, Schism? Like, what I do, I do. All right, so, so let's, let's talk about Spider Island real quick. They've been doing in Spider-Man for a while now. There's built up the Spider Island. Apparently, a lot of people in New York Point zero one percent of the population of New York, as the jackal put it. As the jackal puts it. Yeah. But, but but here's the thing I have to say. Okay. Now, so so they've been infected by these bed bugs, which wait, is a little but, silly, but, 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 and they get spider wait, wait, powers. Wait, 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 let's back okay. up a second. Normal okay. people getting spider powers. But, but let's back up a second. Okay. Because here's the thing. Here's the whole basis of this story. I find it really interesting that the basis of the story is the clone saga. Mm-hmm. It's completely the clone saga. It's got saga. the jackal in it. It's more than that. It's has the more jackal. than that. It's got a ton of parallels. It, it canes in it. Mm-hmm. I and mean, Kane's like this monstrous spider well, thing, whatever. too. Whatever. It's, it's the Clone Saga that was like, you know, after the 90s, you know, you, let's not talk about the Clone Saga. Let's not saga. talk about the Clone Saga. It's, a, it's the most it's shameful co- thing in the Spider-Man. Yeah, it's completely, I mean, full on. This is like maximum carnage, maximum clonage mm-hmm. again. It's it's absolutely, I mean, and, and, you, and my point. You sound like you're not excited about it. Well, I'm not that excited because I feel like I've read this story already. Mm-hmm. 
Right. I mean, how is it any different than maximum clonage? Right. Isn't it the same story? Yeah, but that, are they do, are, I mean, now the twist is that everyone right. we know is going to have spider powers. Right. And what? I mean, it's not like Peter can create his uh, his version of Batman's uh, Batman so, Incorporated. So let's back up. So they got rid of the spider sense. Yes. A couple I, issues ago, about I, 20 issues ago. I guess because, you know, he'll see things coming around the corner too easily. But then Marvel has Spider-Man train with Shang-Chi, and he gets his fighting abilities, right. which work almost like his spider sense. Right, which is A, kind of silly, but I'm actually glad. As someone that, you know, I mean, I love Spider-Man in teams. I think that he's in three teams at once. At least they call it out all the time on like Wolverine. Yes. Like pretty much every issue, it's like I don't know how I'm juggling everything and doing it, you right. know. But he's on two Avengers teams, and he's with the FF, and he has a full time job, and a girlfriend, mm-hmm. you know. And he's still out web slinging on his own. And this last issue you addressed a, a ton. Yeah, this, I mean, this they, prelude they, to Spider-Man. Yeah, they, they talk about it a lot, but um, but you're notwithstanding it, you know, the whole point of getting rid of Mary Jane, all that is, you know, they felt they made him too old, you know. But for me, it's you know, look. I mean, you know, character's been around for, you know, almost 50 years. You know, I like when the characters age a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, he's not a kid in high school anymore. And I, I like, you know, I like that he's getting a certain amount of respect. And frankly, you know, I think that in keeping with him being on an Avengers team and all that, of course he's going to learn to fight. You know, it's like, even if you didn't necessarily see it, every, anyone that was on the Avengers a certain amount of time, they were trained to fight by Captain America. Right. You know, it was Rick Jones, Hawkeye. I mean, you know, everyone, of course. You know, Tony Stark, you know, at some point it's... I was trained to fight by Captain America. Yeah, I don't think the Hulk... You know? I think the Hulk's the person that wasn't trained to fight on it. <laughs> yeah. He was off the team. Well, well he wasn't... It was only on the right. team for a minute, right. you know? Actually, the Hulk wasn't on the team with Captain America. Right. So, it would have been difficult. The Hulk wouldn't listen anyway. Um, but the Spider Island thing... How is well, it, anyways, how, what can so, they do so, to make it different? Well, no, wait, wait. Because but, but, but I hear exactly saying, what you're saying. Yeah, so I'm saying... So, so now we could fight, and actually... Um, it, it was actually really funny, the whole thing, that they had this whole thing where... Spider-Woman was possessed and kicks his ass because he doesn't have the training, so it makes him decide to go get the training. And I thought that was really cool. But, you know, it's... That was in the free comic book day one, though. It was, but they referenced it in this issue. Right. Um, So, you know, so right. So now, okay, he doesn't need the Spider-Sense because he has the fighting ability, and that's going to give him, you know, know, he's an instinct for when things are coming because that's going to help him dodge bullets, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and, and part of my problem is I, I sort of have a sense that, you know, well, some of these... So now half of New York is going to get spider powers, you know? And the only thing that actually makes it interesting to me is people that are close to him getting them. Right. Like, we see that Carly, his Carly, girlfriend, is starting you know, to get it. Mary Jane gets it, you know, maybe Aunt May. I mean, that, that makes it you're just going to undo something that fucking huge. When, when are you going to undo it? And is that how you get Pete his spider powers back or his, his uh, spider sense back? Like, I mean, actually, the one thing I... I do trust Dan Slott. No, the one like, thing I Like, I think really he's like, a great... Spider-Man, right? The one thing I really liked is, you know, the Aranya character I had I really liked, mm-hmm. you know? And then I made a Spider-Girl, but they took her powers away. And every single time I'd read a book with her, and I'm like, so wait, she doesn't have powers? It made absolutely no fucking right. sense to me. You know, I mean, notwithstanding, you know, in, in, in the Batman, you know, the DC books, it's at least they've, you know, in recent years, they've worked in this idea that they're not just swinging on a rope. They have, you know, it's like a rappel and... The gravity thing about that, you know, because normal people, it's like you know, you, you pull you know, arm, your arms out. You know, it's like Daredevil's supposed to be this kind of, you know, he's more than even though he doesn't supposedly have actual super strength. He's like a but, beyond Olympic level. Well, right. it, it's more than he's beyond Olympic level. You know, if you go back to the Frank Miller stuff, the idea was that Matt Murdock and Electro Nachios, they were these special adepts. It was very Buffy seeming almost. Right. It was like you know, like these, these chosen ones, this once in a generation kind of level. 
you know? Here's this girl who used to have powers and suddenly she's a little girl. She has a little, little shield training and, you know, she's, you know, fighting with the Red Hulk. You know, come on. And I have not read Mark Waid's Daredevil number one. Is it awesome? It, it was really good. I heard uh, it's great. One of my problems with it, though, is nothing's been addressed about, you know, Black Panther took over the neighborhood. Yep. He's now the man without fear, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, I mean, there's a total disconnect there. Um, the other big thing is fear itself. Hopefully that thing wraps up soon. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not, it's going on too long. It's going on too long. And, and, and you know, X-Men not, you know, schism me. started. Well, the X-Men rip yeah, between yeah, Cyclops and Wolverine. First of all, fear itself. Why are you pointing? But first of all, fear itself, you know, um... You know, I read all the tie-ins. Yes. And, and some have been really good, but, you know, I mean... Secret I, I, Avengers is great. Oh, that... Did I you, love Brubaker's Secret did, Avengers. Did you read Didn't that? Didn't read this past week, but it's but but leading up to it, the focus on, but, but uh, you, the focus on Hank McCoy, the but, focus but, but, on... Well, 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 well this, uh, all those have been This great. issue is none of that. Okay. Okay. This is a clean story. No, it's... What is this? This is the Black Widow's reaction to them fucking killing Bucky. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Uh... You know, Fear Itself, we got the movie coming out, it was time to put Steve Rogers Captain America again, so they have to fucking kill Bucky? Yeah. I mean, what a great, I mean, talk about a character After that, he just got out of jail in Russia for right, like a right, month. Right. And, and talk about a character that, you know, I mean, it was the ultimate sacrilege to bring Bucky back. And yet, Brubaker did so well yeah. that we cared, and it was great, and he's a great character, you know, and... No, he doesn't have to be Captain America. He doesn't even care if he's not Captain America. It's not like you take away from him. He wanted to give Steve back. Yeah, the, the, the only the reason he was Captain America was he couldn't let anyone else do it if Steve was dead. Right. You know, he was the. You know, I mean, it was. It was Steve. He had to do it. So yeah, and and fine. After Steve said no, you do it. So then it was about him making Steve proud. But if there was you know good reason, and I thought that they set it up. You know, his reputation was ruined because it got out they've been the Winter Soldier. So of course he can't be Captain America more so Steve will be it. So what are you going to kill him for? What for? Why? Right. He wasn't a superfluous character. He was a cool, interesting character. Personally, you know, I always liked the Nomad character. I liked the idea that there was a Bucky out there. You know, they killed Nomad, but at least it was, all right, it was the Winter Soldier that did it, so fine. So, I mean, this is a great character with a great history. What are you going to kill him for? You know, so the Secret Avengers, this issue is, without getting into it, it it's a reaction for to you. It. It was, actually, it was a really good issue. It's very mm-hmm. well written. Um, but, you know, I just... Why do you have to kill Bucky? And I think the only reason they had to kill Bucky is because, you know... I hope we got to have him anything. dead for the movie. Yeah, he dies in the movie. Right. You know? I, it upsets me. X-Men schism. So, all right. You know, got to have the world hating the X-Men again. I and, mean, and then we have to have Wolverine and Cyclops and, differentiating on how they're going to And this actually upsets me. You know, okay. I mean, I, I've, you know, I've read every X-Men comic ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you go back to the history of that these guys did not get along absolutely, and they really call out how you know what's gone on recently in the book is how much they didn't get along and how far they've come. You know, now Wolverine's Wolverine, got a secret team. He's yeah, got yeah, the X Force. Well, like, well, that's going to be a big part of it, right. I think. But you know, but Wolverine's like up to lieutenant; and he can really rely on him. And you know, and Schism is setting up that they're going to have this huge fight, and they're going to go off in different directions. And there's going to be the Cyclops X Men side and the Wolverine X Men side. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, the, well, Axel Alonso called it whatever you remember for X Men up until now has been Charles' ideology versus Magneto's ideology. Right. Now we're gonna have Wolverine and Cyclops. Yeah, Scott Logan's. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. I, I, I just I'm like exci- a shake up. I'm excited. I hope to it see, lasts. Yeah, I hope well, it truly is a new era of the X Men. But in comics, these new eras don't last very long. Yeah, well, I'm excited to see where they go with it. Um, and I think we're gonna have a lot of big shocks and surprises about who actor takes whose side mm-hmm. um, my gut says just having seen some of the art and all that 
I mean, it seems like they might have like Emma actually take Wolverine's side, right? Which would be huge, right? And it sounds like Storm is already starting to lean. Like I only read the first issue of Shizm. I got to read the second issue, but it looks like those divisions are already starting. Which was great. What's awesome was Jason. Jason Aaron's writing it, correct? Yeah. Like the beginning of the, the beginning of the, of the story is. Um, and Carlos Pacheco's art's awesome. Yeah. But the beginning of the story is it's all about. Uh, going back to Grant Morrison stuff, Quentin Clark. Yeah, and it's all about the two of them talking about how good friends they are. You know what I mean? Well, and, how far and, they've come. Yeah, how far they've come, and, and, and how Scott is like about to address the like the not really the United Nations, but like the weapons. Much. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and they're like, and he's like, I want you there, Logan. You're my guy. Right. You know, you're not but, just security, but, but, it's but you're, great. you're my Be- support. But it's actually great because it's like, oh, how did he gets in? Of course, right. he gets in. You know, whenever, you know, it's like he knows where the problems are coming from. He sees it coming. Um. Jason Aaron's one of my favorite writers, easily, okay. and I, I'm sad that Scalped is ending, but I'm kind of happy at the same time. That, did you read Scalped? Of course. It, it, like it's ending at issue sixty. I'm, I'm I'm sad to see it go, but I'm great to have a finality to yeah, the story because it's been that, awesome. That's actually what's great about about pretty much all the Vertigo books is you know they, they all they do have you know a planned ending. And now for the most and, part, the writers get where they want to go, and you know. And, and he and Mark Silvestri taking over the Hulk in October. That's got me excited. Yeah, you it, know Mark Silvestri's artwork on the Hulk, but having Jason I, Aaron write I'm a pretty. I really, I really love Pat's mm-hmm. take on the Hulk. Mm-hmm. I was upset to see that end. He's a good writer I, on the Hulk, and it's been seems, awesome. It is. Uh, you're good. I think you're okay. good. Uh, Just it, be careful with your feet. Yeah, no, it, no dancing. It seems that, um, uh-huh. from what I can tell, it seems that where the Hulk is leading up to is actually it'll get it to fear itself. Right. That, that, that's that's my assumption of where where this next issue will land. But I've actually really enjoyed this incredible Hulk's take. You know, the whole extended family. Well, they're putting Betty Banner on the Defenders. Oh, really? They're putting her on the Defenders with Silver Surfer. and all the, Yeah, they're putting Betty Banner on the Defenders. Okay. They're bringing back the Defenders, which, which uh, is I'm cool. A, I'm, well, I'm a big Defenders fan. Mm-hmm. It, and, but she's taking it, the Hulk it, role, the, the Red okay. Hulk. Well, you know, because right now they have um, the uh, his daughter, the, the yes. green, his daughter, the She-Hulk, Lyra, uh, kind of playing that role. Um, are you guys just bored out of your fucking minds with this comic book? Like stuff. Like Matt Kelly hasn't said a damn word. Matt, are you are, are you scared? Broke. I can't get comics right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can borrow comics from me. Right. You could just listen to us. Just, would you just guys listen to us. Just talking about with X Men. Now I'm like, I need to get a fucking job so I can get caught up. It's with pretty X-Men fucking stuff. cool. Dude, it's pretty I mean, fucking cool. And there's great what, jumping what, on What's points. a better motivation for working than yeah, having money to buy comics. comic books? Exactly. The Incredible Hulk jump on point in October. I'm really excited about you guys jumping on that. And honestly, like dating, picking up that Green Lantern book in '52. I was at a point where I was like, man, I'm like, I may not read any DC with this 52 thing, but shit, I don't know, <laughs> guys. Now you're not. Some of us hate to tell you, good. you're old now. Um, speaking on jumping on points, and this is going into video games real quick. Uh, remember last weekend at Comic Con, what did I have at my side every fucking minute? You were a street pass like a motherfucker. I was a street pass like a fucking gangster. I had my 3DS, <laughs> the 3D Game Boy. I've got one. Right, I've got it here in the office. I got this 3D Game Boy. I bought it for 250 bucks. I don't regret it. I love the fucking thing because it's got these social, you know, aspects to it where you, when you pass other people's Game Boys, they talk to each other, they unlock stuff. I come home this past week. Nintendo reveals that they're dropping the price from two hundred and fifty dollars to one hundred and sixty-nine. So for one hundred seventy-nine, uh, for one hundred seventy bucks, you guys can be street passing like a motherfucking gangster too. You guys have been trading in for. You never regret that. the eighty bucks. I don't regret the eighty bucks. Um, I had a lot. I've had a lot of fun with it. I've replayed Ocarina of Time. How long have you had it? it? About a month, so eighty bucks, you yeah, know, a month. twenty okay. bucks, twenty bucks a week. I'm happy with it. It's fine. Okay. I'm down with it. Um, if did, you guys did, already did had it, Laura? 
Yeah, I told Laura. She's not with it. Oh, Laura doesn't get mad when I buy game systems. About the PS3, about the 3DS, she's in Because you're playing, you get out of her I'm hand. down. Yeah, she, she's totally down with it. Um, if you guys have bought the 3DS already, Nintendo's got this ambassador. They, they call you a 3DS ambassador now because you were one of the early adopters of the... Whatever. They're giving us 20 free games. That 10 of them, the new 3DS people uh, will never get because they'll never be available in the market. Which, well, oh, so, never so, so they're giving you special they'll, they'll games because you bought it early? Because I bought it early, they're giving me right, so 20 bucks. free games. Absolutely. And, and what's and, funny is so, like a couple and, of these games are games that I lost when I left my Game Boy Advance on a wait, plane wait, back let, in Let me get this straight. So basically what you're doing is you're saying to the people that don't already have it, ha-ha, screw you, you're going to save $80, but I get this. Yeah, but you know what? If you have a Game Boy Advance, if you have some of the Game Boys, like you already have some of the games... I lost mine on a plane in 2003, 2004, and I was so fucking butthurt, I never rebought the games, and now Nintendo's giving them to me for free, which is pretty fucking cool. That's I cool. don't feel bad, but you guys who were jealous of me at, at, at um, San Diego because you wanted to street, be street passing like a motherfucker? You got a lot of people street passing that weekend. I got a bunch of people. <laughs> Shane O'Hare was like, I kind of want a 3DS now. Wait until I think it's a, I think it's August twelfth or somewhere in there. August twelfth, you get you get to buy one for one hundred seventy bucks. Wait 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 wait! I want to touch on something. Isn't the whole point of Geekscape for everyone to be jealous? Yeah, no, it's not. Please, uh, I, I'm an embarrassment. Um, but the, but the thing is, you guys who wanted to pick it up, it looks like it's August twelfth. You get to you get to hang, but you don't get the free games if you buy it before midnight and register it online with Nintendo before midnight. You get the free games, but then you're paying 250 bucks for it. You see how that works? It's up to you. It's up to you. Oh, I know something I want to talk about. Yeah, you, yeah. you have no idea I'm going to say this. But I was just sitting here and I was thinking to myself, what's different about me being on Geekscape? It's been a while. Well, no, and, and here's the thing I was thinking about. It's like, you know, I mean, it's been a while. Gilmore hasn't been here to make fun of. But so can I tell you that yeah. I'm at Comic-Con and I end up in the Wired Lounge. And who are I see? I see Gilmore in the Wired Lounge. He's dressed as a Jawa or something? I, I don't even know what he was dressed as. But it was just such a really odd thing. Because the Wired Lounge is this thing like the third year in a row that's gone on Comic-Con where it's like, it's actually, it, it, it's a crime. Right. I mean, it's just, it's such the representation of Hollywood at Comic-Con. You know, it's just become this thing where, you know, a lot of very Hollywood-connected people are in there, and they're, you know, there's food and booze and sitting around partying. Is that the convention center? Playing. No, it's not the convention center. It's, it's actually at the Omni. Okay. You know. And, I don't know. We're stuck at the fucking it's, booth. It's, it's this very private, you know, thing, like, you know. But, I mean, yes, you know, I'm assuming Gilmore got in on press credentials. Right. But it was just, it was really, really bizarre. And he's walking, walking around. Through the and, and there's Gilmore with, with, with his crew. Right. You know, yeah, hanging out at the Wired Lounge. I was thinking of the Wired Lounge because there's food available and stuff like that. What the Wired people need to do, and we can talk about this, Wired, if you'd like, uh, for next year, having Gilmore at the Wired Lounge, put, like, a hat with, like, a platter on it, on his head, and have, like, a bunch of hors d'oeuvres on it and just have him walk around and have people <laughs> just picking the fucking food off of his head. You know, just like, like think about it. Turn him into like, R2D2. Yeah, R2D2. Yeah, put him in, like, a fucking R2D2 on fucking his Jabba's barge. He'll wear a costume have him for walking it. around. Right? Like, like, just have a platter on his head and have him fucking walking around. You know, what do you think? I think it's a good idea. I like it. You as know? long as he comes by the booth so we can get something, too. Granted, nothing's more unappetizing as Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, hopefully, like, you know, the, the platter will, will cover his head a little bit, his little face. But I, I like that hat. idea. Yeah, wouldn't that be good? It would be a good idea. Right? Every now and then his little gubby fingers comes up over the side and eat something. <laughs> I think it's cool. I think it's cool. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing this whole three, you know, next year signing up for the booth again. I'm excited about going back to San Diego. Uh, we're going to do WonderCon again. I think we should do WonderCon again. I think oh, wait a second. Isn't WonderCon going to be down in Anaheim this year? 
I don't know. I've never heard that. That's what I read. There's something going on in San Francisco, and they're going to have it in Anaheim this year. Hmm. If that's true, then that's way easier for us. Well, but, obviously. Um, I mean, it, it, it starts begging the question. Is, it's you a know, year full of conventions, because we got Kamikaze in November. Right. we got ZombieCon in, in, well, in well, October. Well, now, I, I, I've never done WonderCon. I almost went this past year, and I, mm-hmm. I was upset I hadn't, because a lot, the buzz that's going on these days is... Some people talk about WonderCon being what Comic-Con used to be, you know, but... Well, it, everyone finds out early that they didn't get San Diego tickets, so they just go to WonderCon. Is that what's going on? So, WonderCon, everyone... This was our first WonderCon. Everyone there was saying, this is so much more crowded than it's ever been. Right. Because, because you find out you did or didn't get San Diego tickets in, like, January or February. Yeah. And then everybody who didn't just pointed their finger... Pointed their, pointed their directions towards... WonderCon. Well, well, part of the and buzz had huge that presentations hearing, too. Well, that's yeah. the thing. That, you know, one of the things I'm hearing is, you know, there's a perspective in Hollywood that well, WonderCon is actually better geared toward that summer. Mm-hmm. You know, Comic Con is only interesting from when you talk about movies. Right. About next summer. Right. And that's what you know. What I've always thought was cool about Comic Con. So is, WonderCon can premiere movies that come out this summer. Yeah, they they can. From you know, from a studio marketing right. perspective, it's push that stuff. You well, know. Well, Ian. I'm sad that it's only an hour worth of conversation and some interviews. That usually is we'll what have happens. you back pretty soon. Uh, this has been Geekscape. You guys can experience more Geekscape on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Just search for Geekscape. Follow us. Become our friends. Uh, also, the Geekscape.net website has got tons of stories. Many of the ones that I talked about today are there on the site. We've also got forums and a bunch of new surprises will be rolling out in the fall. Um, you can hang out with Wally If you miss Wally today You can hang out with him If you're okay with Master of Silence Fucking over here If you want to actually hear him speak You can download his St. Mort podcast Don't know why you would But maybe And then Walton has a new podcast Called uh, Brave, Nerd Brave Nerd World With uh, Heidi Hilliker So look forward to that Ian we still got to get you a podcast Until then This will always be your home I know it's not enough room For you to talk on this show But maybe an audio podcast with you And you can just fucking go for five hours That'd You're thinking about it. I see the gears moving. I, I think, but it wouldn't be the same not doing it with you. Uh, Till then, uh, look for us on the website. All right, we'll see you guys next week with even more interviews and guests. All right, this has been Geekscape. Mm-hmm.